Hey everybody, welcome back to the Rumor Flies podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Ryan. And today we are here with our 10th episode of the season and we are going to be talking about alcohol. Notice we said that we are not here with Greg Tilton. Yes, Greg is not here. Greg from In-Depth Media. He is currently... Uh, out of the country at the moment, over in France. He's in France. He is Greg Tilton right now. He is eating croissants. And freedom fries. Yeah. So Greg's not here right now, so uh, we're, we'll manage to get by somehow. We've made it this far somehow, Ryan. But we'll uh, we'll keep on keeping on. But today chugga we're going to... Chugga, chugga. <laughs> podcast. So we're going to start this podcast off like we normally do with some plugs and uh we only we got one today and uh ryan i believe you're gonna take care of that take care of that for us yeah so this one's a two inch diameter with a tapered (laughs) i'm not talking about you plugging guys ryan okay i thought we were still running with that joke okay (laughs) so our first plug and only plug is going to be pete's paranormal chronicles this one is actually really cool because it's relevant to you josh you have watched x files recently he's just you're recent on the train. You've yes. been a few months in, right? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm almost done. The the end is nigh. Okay. So, imagine if it was the X-Files but Fox Mulder was replaced with, I don't know, uh Secret Agent Squirrel or something like that. Like oh God. It, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. Like it's kind of a comedic anthology of this 90s paranormal investigator going through all of his different cases with his partner. And it is kind of a Mulder and Scully back and forth, I guess. It's mostly from the view of Pete. But it is really funny. I like it a whole lot. It's got some charm to it. And the humor, it's right up my alley to the point where I really feel like a lot of people need to warm up to it for the most part. Okay, But it's genuinely good it's charming that's the best word for this podcast it's charming so it it like takes place in like the 90s or something right yeah yeah so pete's paranormal chronicles if you want to check that out we'll have it in our show notes but like every other podcast we plug since we're part of the dark myths collective which you can find pete's paranormal chronicles and everything else us and a whole bunch of other great podcasts at Mm darkmyths.org and we also have facebook group too so if you want to keep up with any new episodes from dark myths Follow them on Facebook, and generally, the Dark Lord, Jordan Harbour, gave us permission to just, you know, post our new episodes anytime we want to, so it's just kind of a bullhorn for us. Nice. Okay. Not us, everybody. Oh, yeah. So, before we get into the episode too much, we're going to get into a bit of housekeeping. Since Ryan has no problem calling me out of my bullshit, I'm going to do the same to him. Oh, okay. Ryan decided to make up two words uh, in the last couple episodes. One of them was botchered. Ryan, you want to explain what botchered is? Okay. I'm not sure if I clarify on this one. I've been trying to catch myself as I've been saying these words, but I know for a fact that I was split between saying butchered and botched, so I just said botchered. They had a baby? Personally, I like that word. I might keep saying it anyway. Botchered? You got what it was at first, okay? It, you you knew exactly what I was thinking when you heard it. You knew what I meant when I said defazed, but you still called me out on it. Okay. Fair enough. And the other one was mammillary? I know I call myself out on that one. I, I I had no idea what that word meant. So I said afterwards, I was like, oh, you did. Ma- I yeah. was like, memory. Oh, I just made up that word penalty shot, <laughs> which by the way, we still really need to do. Yeah, we need we'll, to record that. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that soon. But m- more on that and other things later on in the podcast. We'll get to that. So we're going to start this podcast off like we have. It's been a reoccurring theme with our caveat for the episode. Yeah. In case you haven't read the f-ing title. We're doing a drinking episode. We drank a lot. And we're still drinking. 
well, right now. We always drink on the podcast. Spoiler alert. Don't those, say that. No. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, there is a beer or two consumed during the hours of uh, these this recordings. This is the one time where it's okay for us to do this because we're talking about <laughs> this particular thing. Now, w- w- with all that being said, we basically just want to say, don't drink and drive. Don't make stupid decisions. Don't binge drink You know, to the point where you make yourself sick. Everybody wants to have a good time. But just don't ha- put yourself in any situation where you can harm yourself or harm others around you. Boil down, drink responsibly. And if we have any younger listeners who are below drinking age in your particular region, if you're drinking underage, then you're not drinking responsibly. Yes. I can't say what the law is. I do think it's a little bit messed up that you can hold a gun and serve in the military and die for them but not drink a beer. But once again, the law is the law, so drink responsibly. Exactly. So just... Make smart decisions. You know, we're not going to harp, harp on this too much, but, you know, don't be an idiot. Don't and be a, That's know. the most political we're going to get for the entire episode. Yeah. I promise. L- like I've said before in the last episode, I believe it was the last episode. Like I've said before, don't let a couple fucking idiots with a podcast tell you how to live your life. Yeah. Or do. Just don't blame us for the consequences. Oh, exactly. So in addition to this episode, though, we are going to have, I don't want to call it supplement, but it's complementary, right? Yeah. Complimentary. Complimentary. I'll give you a pass on that Complimentary. one. Complimentary. Complimentary. Guardian um, Leviosa. Le- <laughs> it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Leviosa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a complimentary episode, basically. I mean, it's it's not going to be with this, but it's, it's basically an episode in itself. We did a video supplement of everything that we did pertaining to the drinking parts of this episode. Just about. Yeah. And it's going to be on our YouTube page, which we'll also have in the show notes for you guys to check out. See, we try to do all of these, but we lost a few people for the actual testing phase of this. And one of them, our producer said we couldn't do it. And by producers, Greg said, don't do that while you're drunk. Yes. So what, which we'll, we'll break down that more, but basically what we did was we got a bunch of our friends and we invited them over to come drink for free, which they all, you know, hastily agreed to, uh, to come drink our booze. Um, and we tried to group everybody up by similar heights and weights and by similar sex, because that also does pertain, you know, it, it, it influences the results. Right. In this situation. Your biological gender does determine how alcohol is processed through the body. So we did our best effort to make sure that everybody was matched up as similarly as possible. And all but one instance, everybody was the same sex. But that but that it, one instance didn't really matter. Exactly. Yeah, it, exactly. And we also bought a breathalyzer. We made sure to test everyone before we started drinking. Right. And then test them after we started drinking. We made this as close to a controlled scientific environment as possible, except... You know, we have limited resources. Exactly. And what we did was we gave everybody 1.8 ounces. Was that what we determined? Yes. We did the calculations. Everybody that was doing a comparison test drank the exact same amount of alcohol across the board, which I think boiled down to about 1.8 ounces of alcohol. Right. It was three drinks over the span of 30 minutes. And then we waited 20 minutes after that to do the breathalyzer as per the breathalyzer instructions. First time I've ever read instructions. Yes. <laughs> but so we but we kept a, a tight. Sh- well, I'm sorry. I kept I kept a tight schedule for everybody to make sure that when those 30 minutes were up, those drinks were done. Josh was like the drunk aunt that just wanted to watch her story. So they let the kids run free. But as soon as it's her time to leave for them to go to bed, she made sure that they were going to fucking bed. <laughs> Like every five minutes, like 
we were playing a few drinking games, and I think there's going to be some in the video, depending on how Greg cuts this, of just you'll see us playing a bunch of drinking games, and you'll see Josh and his partner Casey sitting on the couch watching ESPN the entire time, just like, kids, stop yelling. Well, I mean, I want to make sure that we kept to a strict schedule and we got everything done that we needed to in the time allotted. So We don't have time to pee at Waffle House. <laughs> So, we need to make it to Disney for 9 a.m. I've been there before. Uh, so I believe that about wraps up everything coming into this episode. So I think we'll just jump off here at this point. Yeah, let's go. All right. So the first thing that I went into is something that I know I've heard a bunch. And it is if you don't want to have as bad of a hangover, stick to clear liquor because darker liquor will give you a much worse hangover and you'll feel terrible the next day. Have you ever heard that, Ryan? Yes, uh, particularly the mixing part. Like, just don't mess them. Don't mix them. Well, I just, I just heard in general, like, you know, if if you would rather just feel better the next day, stick to like vodka or gin or something that's clear. But the darker the alcohol, the worse you'll feel the next. That's going a bit further than what I even thought. But yeah, that that makes sense. That well, that's that's what I kind of based it off of, and it's kind of actually true to a certain extent. I mean, being you know whiskey drinkers like we normally do. Uh, not on the podcast, oh, but we forgot to. Uh, so the drink of the night is the cold toddy, which we just invented. Oh, uh, yeah. Ryan's masterful invention. So you take your bottom tier whiskey, <laughs> then you mix it with soda, lemon juice and sweet and low. And you have yourself a bastardized version of the hottie toddy. It's like just yelling, killing me at the same time as you're drinking it. So but I like it. It's enjoyable. It's a nice little summer mix on a winter drink. Yeah, I I like it. I'll, I'll give you that. It's yeah. enjoyable. It's my second one. So, but I, there we go. So, but I guess the layman's term of it. Can can I give you the, I guess idea of what I think from this myth? My explanation. Sure. Go ahead. Not even doing the research of it. Let's see what we can do. So fermentation, pretty much the reason why I think that this is bullshit in the first place is because I make honey wine. Pretty regularly. Well, for the just, most part. so for those of you who don't know, fermentation is the process when you take uh, sugar and turn it into alcohol. Yes. Just so any substrate, fruit, or any carbohydrate, most carbohydrates, you can generally make booze out of it if you really try. Well, think of taking grapes and turning it into wine. Yeah, right? you get your little bacterial slaves and they go ahead and being yeast and they go ahead and take the carbohydrates and they turn it into alcohol for you. Then they die and then you enjoy what they died for. It's pretty tragic when you think of it that way. I just got sad about drinking this. Uh, so, Drink up. You won't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> fermentation is generally the process of making the alcohol. Then for most liquors, you go through a distillation process. It's kind of like you make the general water and carbohydrate mixture. It gets turned into alcohol. And then you take that relatively pure alcohol Cut it with water because almost every liquor when it comes to vodka, whiskey, I'm not sure about tequila, so I can't speak on that one. But at least those two. I know I have a good sample size. I'm going to go ahead and throw rum in there too. Why but not? you have pretty much Everclear. Then you add, and depending on whatever you're using, for like whiskey, they use a different substrate. And for vodka, you use a different substrate. And same for rum. I think it's, you know, rye, then potatoes. I'm just going to say that because it's Russian and... Sorry, Chris Dops, one of the guys from Dark Myths. Anyway, so, and then rum would be cane sugar. You take those, and once they ferment, you pretty much just have the same type of thing. Straight alcohol with maybe a little bit of flavor from what they were fermented from. Afterwards, 
You cut it with water to your desired ABV, which is percent alcohol by volume. We're going to get to that later. It's important. Once you do that, you put it in barrels or whatever other thing you're going to put into age. And the aging process is what really gives those things flavor. Whiskey in particular. We have a whiskey company now in Louisiana called Louisiana Lightning. And all they're selling right now is something called white whiskey. And that is pretty much unaged whiskey. Now, what you do is generally you have to wait about five years until you get a good whiskey that you can sell. And most places start by selling white whiskeys because, well, it's the product they can actually start pushing once they get their license. And this is long-winded. But what I'm getting at is the only real difference between light and dark to me is just the flavors that the barrels or whatever you are aging them gives the actual liquors. So ideally, there wouldn't be much difference between what you're drinking, and that's why I think this is bullshit. Okay. I, I appreciate the wrap-up. You're actually going to be surprised by this. So during that whole process, it's... F- and Okay, so I looked at a study because finding the science behind this was kind of hard to do, and I looked high and low, and I found one particular study, which is kind of anecdotal, but I feel like it was very relevant to what I was diving into, and it, it perfectly summarized everything I was looking for. Hey, you got what you get. Yeah, exactly. And so bourbon, okay, so when you when you ferment something, let me start off there. When you ferment something, there's something called congeners in it, okay? And basically what those congeners are- Congeners or congeners? Congeners. Okay. What those basically are, they, those are the things that contain the toxic effects, which basically get you drunk after you after you ferment something. So it's, it's basically the, the alcohol in it, okay? Mm-hmm. Bourbon has 37 times more congeners than vodka does. Okay, so you're saying that, once again, vodka is not something that you exactly age because it's, a lot of people say it's triple distilled vodka. That means you continuously purify it to the point where you kind of have just the alcohol point, which is why I don't like vodka is because, once again, the less you can taste something, the better it is. It doesn't make sense to me. I like to have flavor to my liquor. But from what you're saying is that it has more congeners because it is actually aged in something where it's exposed to something else. Right. And as opposed to vodka, where it's a bit more pure, it's just the alcohol and the water. Right. And exactly. whatever trace elements of flavor come from whatever it's fermented. But I mean, 37 times the amount in vodka, that's a huge difference. Yeah, it is. That's, Did it say how long those whiskey, those bourbons were aged? Uh, it didn't say, but I don't really think that's, you know, relevant. Yeah. I mean, well, I was thinking that maybe the longer it's aged, the more cogeners you'll get. I'm sure it is. If we had our resident fact checker, he could uh, look into that for us. We're both looking at the empty chair for Greg right now. We're going to go ahead and keep looking at it for a couple seconds, you know. Well, so this this particular study that I looked into, okay, it had 95 people. The most interesting thing about it was that of the 95 people, 58 were women. So I thought that normally most drinking studies that you see features more men than women. And this one kind of, it was almost a two to one ratio of, of women to men. Way to tip the scales. Yeah, I good for them diversity so although it's a study where you should have it relatively equal so this might be a bad example of you know diversity well the thing is about this study in half partic- and half man just half and half i guess they they were limited on their resources so in the study they found that bourbon can cause a worse hangover but it basically has the same effect on people the next day who drank vodka as long as the hangover wasn't so severe that's the whole big stipulation in this is that as long as the hangover isn't like you didn't just drink yourself into oblivion where you couldn't function the next day, there wasn't much of a difference. And it wasn't 
things like, you know, typing up a paragraph or anything. It was simple, like everyday tasks, like driving, brushing your teeth, like making quick decisions, you know, putting in, being put in situations where you have to make quick, you know, decisions. The, the, their answer rate to these decisions that they had to make, whatever one they took, they had, you know, it was about the same for the, the pace that they did it. So the same amount of people ended up putting the milk in the cabinet and the Cocoa Puffs in the refrigerator. Exactly. Yes. So what you're saying from this, I guess, is that some people reported that the hangover, like the way they actually felt was worse, but ultimately their functionality and what they were able to perform right. was the same. About the same. Their performance was about the same. Okay. Despite... People who drank the bourbon saying they had the worst hangover. Okay. Now, there's some really major things that they found from the study. I have no idea why they decided to include this as first and foremost. But the number one thing, because, well, I should also say this. In the study, they divided up into three separate groups over a three-day period. One group drank bourbon, one one group drank vodka, and the other group drank a placebo. What the f*** are you going to use for a placebo? So they determined that the people who drank the placebo... Function better than the people who drank the vodka or the bourbon. Wow. No idea why that wow. was. Why would you have to include that? I have no idea. But they did. So, big well, surprise there. I guess if you're going for your top gray goose versus water. I guess. I mean, anyway, that was You know so what? Dark. That goes back to exactly what I was saying. I don't get how you're going to make a placebo for bourbon. But for vodka, I can totally believe that. Because, you know, I guess, I don't know if it's in just America or everywhere. They think that vodka, I, dude, I'm just harping on vodka so bad. But if you think that vodka is good because you can't taste it, then I don't know. That's just like, that's so dumb to me unless you're that averse to like new flavors and everything. Whiskeys well, are supposed to have a different flavor to them every time. Well, so. si- sidebar real quick. Um, for my fantasy football league, that's how we determine our draft position. Oh, yeah. I remember everybody that. everybody uh, in, that's in the draft, in order to decide who drafts where, we you know we have 10 people, let's just say. We take nine cups and fill them with water and one with vodka. Whenever the vodka is the person who gets to pick their spot. And we go all the way until there's nobody. See, I get the reasoning behind that. You're hoping the first pick gets the bad decision. Well, you just it's just a fun way you know, to kick off the night kind of thing. But So in this study, the second thing that they determined was that it, it, this it pertains to the myth that it is kind of true that people who drank the bourbon did report that they felt worse than the people who drank the vodka, even though they drank the same amount. Really? Yeah. So okay. the people who drank the bourbon reported having more hangover symptoms the next day. Uh, the third thing was that the people who felt worse drinking the darker alcohol their performance didn't suffer any more than the vodka drinkers. And I just wanted to reinforce that again because that is a huge part of this whole study. That's particularly interesting to me because, yeah, I get the whole impurities thing from, or rather the intentional impurities in the alcohol for the bourbon that would potentially make you feel worse. But the whole performing the same deal, like, you know, I I guess it's comparing to somebody that suffers from chronic headaches but still goes to work every day and still gets their job done. And I guess that shows that yeah, you may feel worse, but ultimately you're not impaired is the correct word for that one. Well, the, the interesting thing, though, that and I think it was really awesome that they decided to check into this. They tested the sleep patterns of these people as well. And the sleep patterns for the vodka and the bourbon drinkers weren't much different from one another. So you couldn't even make that as an excuse for why they felt worse the next day. See, I would have thrown that into a factor. They covered it They're They covered their asses on this. So. The bottom line is that 
bourbon, I guess, based off the study, does make you feel worse than vodka, but the performance isn't any different. It's it's just how it reacts with your body that bourbon makes you feel worse. Yeah. That's the long-winded way of saying all of this. So, just no whining. Well, if you're going to you know go out one night and you got to work the next day, you should probably stick to vodka instead of bourbon because your performance is going to suffer a little bit, but you won't feel as bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's the bottom line. I guess I'll concede to that. If I got a drink, I guess I'll have to drink vodka. Can I just do gin instead? Did they do a study with gin? No, they didn't, but uh, I'm sure I'm sure it's similar. I'm going to look that up. You can look in. Greg. Oh, no, Greg. Greg. <laughs> Greg's not here. Greg Tiltal. <laughs> Greg Tiltal. So that about wraps everything about that up. Uh, so now, Ryan, I believe you're going to get into food and alcohol. Yeah, so we are going to have a callback, well, whatever day you're listening to this. <laughs> it's a callback to episode three, two, 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 okay. our food episode. That's when we're still a little bit rusty and a little bit uncomfortable talking into a microphone, but you know, <laughs> so now I just don't give a shit. So what we're going to be talking about is alcohol and food, boozy foods. Oh, speaking of food, real quick, move your laptop uh, real quick. I, I have something for you to commemorate this episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. You pull out a pocket taco, I'm going to shit myself. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, in fact, just handed me a Paco. It's a little keychain Paco with a mustache and eyes on it. It's got googly eyes. That's fucking awesome. I'm going to wear this like a badge of honor. Exactly. We got matching ones, too, and I even got one for Greg. He doesn't even know about it yet. Oh, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. Thank you, Ryan. That is so sweet of you. No problem. Friendship. There you go, rumor flies. The gift of uh, the the gift of friendship, all in one. Pacos. Pacos for everyone. So, <laughs> if so you cool. want a Paco, just write a letter to Greg Tilton at rumorflies <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Sorry. Continue. So, alcoholic foods. Now, th- this is the one. Out of everything that we did for all of our uh, video supplement, where it, we mixed V and Joey, and V's a girl and Joey's a guy, so this is this is where the gender didn't actually play into it. Yes, and the little backstory about this is that we actually had <laughs> we're totally calling out Joey for this one. Joey's a piece of shit. Yeah, we love you, Joey, but you're a piece of shit for this one. So we made sure to breathalyze everybody before we started the actual experiments that we were doing. And everybody registered at zero, except for our good old boy, Joey. Because he decided that having a beer after work was more important than the podcast. Yeah. Or the video cast, whatever you call that. Whatever. Yeah. So, anyway. Fuck you, Joey. Joey blew a .03. Yeah, .03 and change. When we first tested. So, like, Joey, you are going to the punishment ring. And you're going to have to do our boozy foods bit, which isn't even that bad of a punishment anyway. This is actually going to be a nice little, this is going to be the majority of our video segment. If anything, I think it might be a separate segment at this point. Let us know when you listen to it. Yep. Josh and I decided to make a little bit of a creative recipe. A bastardized funnel cake is the way I describe it. Yeah, I, I just like to call it pancake shots. Yeah. So what we yeah, did okay. is we made a rice cooker pancake, which, by the way, you can make pancakes by using them in a rice cooker. All you have to do is just throw the entire batch of whatever you know mix you're using into the rice cooker with all the other ingredients, and then just put on the white rice setting, and then you have this nice pancake bun afterwards. And they have a black, a black, black, a brown rice setting. They do. They have a brown rice setting. 
I don't know what the difference is, but mine, I just put it on white rice and it Mine worked. doesn't. That's weird. Yeah. So you oil it up. I just have that, you know, more professional rice cooker than you. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I need to get like the giant, like three gallon rice cooker that you see at like sushi restaurants. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But so we made the pancake in the rice cooker. We had this nice giant bun. We cut it up into square slices. After that, we soaked it in the equivalent of 1.8 ounces alcohol content of Crown Royal Maple mixed with some Anchimimus. It was more than 1.8 ounces. Just the amount of alcohol in that Crown Royal ended up being 1.8. Right. After we soaked it in that, we rebattered it and deep fried it. And then Josh used his expert, like, master chef dusting technique. I guess he worked at a beignet shop at some point. <laughs> To sprinkle some powdered sugar over it and make it look even better than it actually tasted. I'm a Food Network connoisseur, Ryan. No, yeah. Paula Dean would have had a heart attack, and that's saying a lot right there. <laughs> All the butter. No butter was involved this time, but, you that's know. That's true. That's, that's a good point. So this ended up being a large portion. Like that 1.8, the amount of pancake that we had to soak in crown oil maple and Aunt Jemima's was considerable. We had a giant bowl of it. And we weren't expecting anybody to be able to eat this amount of the food in 30 minutes. That was very un- that was not expected. So we put two people on it, and we saw if they would register it all in the breathalyzer after they ate it. And the result was pretty much disappointing. Well, it's not that it was disappointing. It was just everything that we learned in episode two with food, cooking, and alcohol, it surprised us to what they blew. Yeah, so what we talked about was, say, in a Bananas Foster, which is just, once again, for anybody that didn't listen the first time, it's a flambéed type of recipe where you cook banana and rum and various other spices and put it on top of ice cream afterwards. And with a flambéing technique, you generally retain about 75% of the alcohol that was in the original mixture. And then as time goes on for other cooking methods, like as you are cooking with alcohol, the more time you have the alcohol in heat, the less you'll have retained. But it's still there. So for us, I guess the wall that we hit with this was that the amount that you had to eat was ridiculous in order to register on the breathalyzer. I mean, V was still at 0.00 afterwards, and Joey had less of an alcohol registration than beforehand. Yeah, it almost was cut in half. And for the record, .03 is a lot for one beer, Joey. (laughs) Especially if you had it right after work. We know what time you came over. Oh, He was like, he was over four times the legal limit, and after he ate it, it was only about half. No, 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 he wasn't. .08 is the legal limit in America. And he was at .03. Oh, it was .03, yeah. It was still low, but... Keep in mind that for all of our tests, none of us, spoiler alert, none of us blew over the legal limit. We had some that were close. Yeah. But none that actually blew over. We made sure after the video supplement and all the recording to blow over the legal limit when we kept testing afterwards. <laughs> She'd be like, am I too drunk to drive yet? Am I too drunk to drive? For the record, we have extra place for people to crash here and everything. Everybody, We, we, we have the caveat. It's fine. Yeah. We have the caveat. We need to talk about it. Right. But... Everybody did responsibly. Yes, some people got below the uh, above the limit, but we made sure they were below before they started driving again. So anyway, that was an interesting result. That was our first kind of hiccup in, I guess, some of the research that we did from the get-go. And Yeah. Yeah. It was surprising because we expected them to blow, maybe not like, you know, significantly higher, but 
the fact that it didn't even register was very surprising. Yeah, and the fact that Joey was lower afterwards. Yeah, that was the other thing. So I guess it was kind of good in hindsight that Joey decided he was an asshole and decided to drink his beer before he came here. Yeah, it ended up working out for you. You're welcome. Thank you, Joey. Thanks. Thank you, Joey. <laughs> Listen to Joey. That shit's dope. I'm telling you. <laughs> So anyway, I guess we can go ahead and move on from that one. That one we we're just like shamed by our last subject. I still stand by the whole alcoholic foods thing. If you eat enough of it, you can get drunk. Yeah. That, I think that's very clear. Well, next time maybe we'll go ahead and make something like, you know, uh, pasta and vodka sauce and hope that they can eat a lot of it, you know? Well, I mean, that's like everything in moderation is key. So I guess as long as you don't overdo it with, you know, being a gluttonous, you know, piece of shit, I'm sure it's fine. But what I, I guess I'll move on to, to my topic, actually, that's in the video supplement is beer before liquor or liquor before beer. And everybody knows the age old saying beer before liquor, you never, never been be sicker. sicker, liquor before beer, you're in the clear. Which is also part of the problem of the research that, I, that I, I found was that people were having a hard time differentiating which was the correct way of the saying to go, which is totally stupid because you want the more potent thing, which is liquor before beer. But that's just me. The thing that I found was that it had more to do with your metabolism than anything else, to be honest with you. It was actually compared in, an, in one article that I read that starting off with liquor, then switching, switching to beer is like being a heroin addict because you're starting. It's start- a bit drastic, but right. okay. Yeah, it was a big leap and bound there, but. Drastic. But- <laughs> I said, I'm going to say drastic straightforward, but it almost like I said giraffe stick. Giraffe, giraffe sticks? A giraffe stick. You want a giraffe? That's giraffe stick. That sounds like something like a little candy you get at the zoo or something. All right. If you look over to our lefts, we got the goats. And on the rights, we got the giraffe sticks. Make sure to get your giraffe sticks before you leave. 250. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what they basically. Matches s- well with Pacos. With, oh, Jesus. The big thing that they, they say is like, since liquor has more of an, a higher alcohol content than beer does, that starting off with something more potent and stronger in alcohol content is like me is like being a heroin addict and you're like slowly weaning yourself off by switching to beer. So beer is like the methadone of the frat world. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. So one one big thing is that some people are able to switch back and forth between with no problem. It honestly just depends on the person, which I'll get to in a minute. But that's the issue with this myth is that yes, it does hold true, but to a certain extent, which is much like the first one that I covered. Moderation is key. I'll keep going back to that in this whole drinking episode. But if you're going to have like six shots of Jack Daniels and then have like four or five beers afterwards, you're probably not going to be feeling too good. Then, you know, later on in the night, you'll be feeling good when you first do it. But later on the night, yeah, it's you're probably not going to feel feel too hot. But the other way around, if you do like five or six beers, then six, six shots of Jack Daniels, you're still probably not going to feel that great, even though it was the other way around. It's just all about the alcohol content that you consume over an, a given period of time. Right. I, I, so I feel like that's kind of, I guess, in a visual perspective, if you were taking a roller coaster, it's as if you were to kind of, uh, if you were to take for the liquor before beer, you go up the roller coaster, then you go down afterwards, and then you just kind of like slowly ramp the slope a little bit more towards flat, and then end yeah. it there. Slowly That's kind of how it is. Like you get to that peak point, and you try to maintain it a bit with beer, like liquor, and then beer. You're trying to just maintain it because liquor, you've kind of already got the heavy hitting in there in the most time. Right, it jumpstarts your metabolism. 
However, for Beer Before Liquor, it's like you go from small world to fucking rock and roller coaster afterwards. Exactly. And it's just like you do a like complete stop and just hit a wall and there's no like safety restraints whatsoever. Look at you with a Disney reference. Yeah, I, I love it, you know. <laughs> We are Disney fans. We've said this in the first episode, and we're going to say it in the last episode of the season. <laughs> of the season. Uh, so, the like I said before, the interesting thing is that it depends on the individual because of their genetics. And one thing that I found is that some people have no issue digesting alcohol because of their parents. And if... <laughs> So if your father or I inherited this from you, Dad. Exactly. Yeah. So if if your parents, you know, drank before they had you and then, you know, you were conceived, I'll let your mom or dad give you that talk. But your genetics will dictate your tolerance level to alcohol. And I won't get into, you know, too much about, you know, being drunk or anything like that. So we talked about before and after. You didn't talk about middle. That's just fetal alcohol syndrome. Well, Any expecting people, do not drink while you are pregnant or else your kids will not be able to tolerate alcohol. They will just be addicted to it and probably have a cleft lip at some point. Okay, we'll go with that. Uh, have you ever looked at people on Facebook that, like, post their babies? Uh, this is terrible, but... <laughs> Have you ever seen some people on Facebook where they just like go through that phase like, I just had a baby. I need to make sure every one of my profile pictures is a baby or even on Instagram at this point. And just like, I'm pretty sure that's a fast baby. Well, one thing that I absolutely <laughs> hate, I hate pregnancy pictures. There's no reason to have pictures of you while you're pregnant. It, you know, pregnant women are beautiful because they're carrying a child and I get it. And I, you know, it's wonderful. But it's their most vulnerable time. They're like, I'm going to spend, you know, $400 on this, you know, professional photography shoot of me with a big old belly because I'm going to complain enough that I look terrible. And then I'm going to post pictures for everyone to see, you know, that I, you know, how terrible I look in my mind. I don't yeah, know. And also with like the ultrasounds too. It's not okay to post a picture of a regular person under an ultrasound. So why would it be for like a baby person? <laughs> they just look like potato demons. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just not natural. And I am pissing off so many people at this point, but I'm sorry. Nobody. Oh, man. I Greg needs to be here for this one right here. That's what happens I guess when you know you're Greg. I already started with this. Nobody cares about pictures of your kid as much as you do. It's just like cats. I was going to say, kids, are, kids and cats are like the same thing. Nobody likes them unless they're your own. Yeah. Nobody cares how much of a personality your baby, your cat has, unless they have to take care of it. Right. So what I was going to say, like a great example of this is like getting flushed from drinking. Okay. Some people get flushed very easily, even after like a beer or two or something like that, just because that's in their genetics. Other people whose parents drank more, they may not get flushed at all because of, of the gene that's passed along to them. You know, this would be a cool thing to cover in the future you know, with the particular episode that we've been talking about, but it, this isn't being racist or anything, but there's a whole idea of Asian flush. Yes. Yes. That's, uh, that's, that's a something big thing. that like... Even a lot of our friends would say is a real thing. Yeah, I, I, I can vouch for that personally. Yes. So maybe we'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I, the thing I wanted to get into with this particularly is with Casey and I, when, um, well, well we, we tried to get Casey and his brother. We could just get Casey. We couldn't get his brother. <laughs> hamburgers and hot dogs too i want to have a barbecue i miss my brother <laughs> i actually listened to josh groban does casey and his brother the other day actually. that is one of the greatest things i've ever seen on television that should have been on hbo <laughs> i would pay big money for that album soundtrack by the way so with casey and i i did liquor before beer casey did beer before liquor 
and we both blew point zero zero beforehand. But afterwards, after the thirty after the thirty minutes of drinking, and then the twenty minutes after that, I blew like a point oh two three, and Casey blew like a point oh three six. So so there was a difference. Watch the video to find out if Josh is right. <laughs> but the, well, there was a difference, and I think that has more to do with, like I said, the liquor before beer more kickstarts your liver and and metabolizing the alcohol as it goes through your system. Mm-hmm. And since Casey took the lick, the, the shot right, you know, the, that was the last thing he drank before he blew in the breathalyzer. It probably registered more than it would have, than it did with me. That's the whole thing about it. Right. I guess it's comparable to heroin addicts. <laughs> we already went that far. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I, I, I was going to get to the point where like, at some point, when I used to be a pizza delivery driver, but there was that one thing where, you know, you're just kind of like getting used to a Friday shift, and then you have all the people that you know just smoked or are about to do a raid and wow. Yeah. And they just start calling for pizza. You're just like, okay, I'm used to this and everything. <laughs> then all of a sudden, like right before midnight, it's just like, oh, I just need to go deliver. I need to do a triple delivery in one go. Yeah. And, I'm, and you're, I want to just want to go home. As opposed to the Super Bowl. You're ready for that. Yeah. You know it's going to happen. It's going to be half as bad as you think it's going to be. Like, it starts off big. And then afterwards, like, when people realize the team they're rooting for is just losing miserably. Looking at you, Broncos. Well, not well, this year. Two well, years ago. Okay. Yeah, two years ago. Okay. So, yeah, the big thing is, like, bef- taking the liquor before the beer is what basically kicks out your metabolism. And allow what what basically factored into me blowing you know not significantly lower but is what what showed me blowing lower than casey so i thought that was interesting yeah i mean it kind of luckily one of them at least fit what we were talking about you know yeah. fit what we expected yeah rather. i was gonna say it fitted it, it fitted pretty much basically what we expected it to be so that's about uh beer before liquor and liquor before beer in a nutshell great i'm nice. glad we got to wrap that one up easily yep it was quick and easy so before we start off our next subject, I need to, uh, there we go. Okay. Once again, drink responsibly. So our next subject is going to be something we were unfortunately not allowed to cover in our video supplement. For our own safety and the safeties of, of those around us. It would have been totally awesome, but we just didn't. <laughs> well, it's irresponsible as well. Yes. So this is the 100 proof test. So in... Most grocery stores, Josh, you will have seen something like Bacardi 151 or in daiquiri shops around here, they have something that's usually involving 190 octane. Right. Or just a, a whole bunch of different things where you see something in like at least 100 range listed or something like that. Yeah, that's for the uh, the proofing. Yes. Kind of an arbitrary number. It's the proofing. So the but, origin behind proofing. Yeah, well, I was going to say like you have something that's 100 proof. It's 50% alcohol by volume. Yes. Cut in half. That's generally understood here. Which here is to. in the United States. Yes. So the 100 proof test, if anybody is uninitiated to this, which I was previously, was it was started in the 16th century in England and spirits. And we're going to go over this real quick. Ooh. Not ghosts. Not ghosts. Spirits were not taxed based upon alcohol content. So you weren't taxed about like, how drunk your ghost haunting your house was. I wish I had a drunk poltergeist. Specifically, the liquors that anybody was selling were taxed based upon how high their alcohol content was. How would they do this in the 16th century where obviously everyone was stupid, you know? 
<laughs> you know, Ryan, there's some 16th century listeners that are going to write in and disagree with what you have to say. Stop it. I was drinking when you said that. <laughs> this is the point where Greg would have been giving us those eyes and just been like... I hear the eye roll all the way from Franks. Exactly. From Franks. He's like rolling in his bed right now. <laughs> Probably just like pushed his fiance off the bed. <laughs> she doesn't exist. So what they did as a test to decide how they were going to split the taxation of the spirits was by using gunpowder. Sounds pretty fun. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Let's go with it. Yeah, so I guess a little primer on gunpowder is that it's made up of charcoal, sulfur, and potassium nitrate. And you put it in a gun. Yes, or a cannon, depending on, you know, who you were fighting at the time. It's a cannon gun. Yeah, a gun cannon. (laughs) A gun cannon. We'll discuss the semantics of that later. <laughs> it's just like how I'm growing like, you know, uh, banana peppers and ghost peppers right now. And if I like crossbreed them, are they going to be banana ghosts or ghost bananas? I won't be able to see them though because they're ghosts though. Well, I feel like banana ghosts are more of ghosts that were... Bananas before? No, they previous w- life? No, they weren't bananas before and they chose to become bananas afterwards and then... Ghost bananas were bananas, and then after they die, they just, they you know, ghosts in banana form afterwards. Yeah, we're going off the rails here. <laughs> so off the rails. So, <laughs> gunpowder. Charcoal, sulfur, and potassium nitrate. Potassium nitrate is the main ingredient, I guess you'd say, for igniting the gunpowder and making it useful for what most people would use it for, like killing other people. So, all right, water just is the big party pooper for gunpowder and leaches out the potassium in the gunpowder, preventing it from igniting. However, there is a threshold for any solution that is a certain water content, and in this case, it'd be alcohol. So generally, in today's understanding, the percentage alcohol by volume, we're just going to say ABV from now on, is 57.15% ABV in order to be considered 100 proof. So that means that the water is mitigated by the alcohol to the point where the alcohol, if you soak the gunpowder in it, will still ignite the gunpowder. So 99 proof, ideally, if you hold a lighter to it after it's soaked in, the gunpowder soaked in 99 proof alcohol will not ignite. 100 proof, it will ignite. And, but this is strictly pertaining to 60, 16th century England. Standards, yes. Yeah, okay. This is what we're going by because, right. I mean, there was that threshold at that point. Right. And today we understand it as being 57.15%. Right. So if it ignited, you would be taxed higher. If it didn't ignite, you'd be taxed lower. Or potentially you'd just be a fraud. Who knows? Okay. So uh, there's also that whole deal was there's just kind of like two tax brackets at that point. It didn't yeah. really get much past that. So we were wondering if this still holds to today. And... More or less, yes, it does. There is a video that we're going to have in the show notes that shows a guy in the middle of the woods, which I feel is really weird. If you ever see these like test videos and stuff doing stuff, it's always with like pine trees around them and nothing else to the point where like, you know, I guess who would else would be making a video where like, I'm going to get a whole bunch of different liquors and just go ahead and just, you know, soak some gunpowder 
in them and then afterwards light it up. Well, like it's just a product of boredom. And I guess it's how a lot of things got done before the 20th century. Well, why wouldn't you do it in, you know, your own home where if there is something that goes wrong, there is a fire extinguisher in the near vicinity as opposed to a forest where there is literally everything around you can burn down to the ground. Well, who says you can't take the fire extinguisher outside? Okay, but there's more flammable shit in the forest than there is in your own home, I'm assuming. Also, it looked like this guy did not have many neighbors, so okay. I feel like the fire would totally be his problem. <laughs> okay, all right. And pine trees, you know, they hold a lot of, you know, sap and water, so I think they're, they're hard to catch on fire, and it looked pretty dry. But long story short is this dude went out of the way and did the work for us and did a whole test of different proofings of alcohol and ignited them and even used one that was, like, just below 100 proof and compared it to 100 proof and... The results matched what it should have been. It said straight up that when he held it to 100 proof, it lit up above 100 proof, lit up just below 100 proof. It didn't. So was this by 16th century standards or by modern day standards? We're going to get to that. Okay. So I'm not sure. It's a little bit skewed. So this guy, judging by his accent, was clearly from America. Greatest nation. Yes. But I guess in terms of the history of taxation of alcohol, which I know everybody was dying to hear about, <laughs> or the idea of just you know taxing alcohol by the alcohol content, was it was the whole proofing thing was replaced by specific gravity in England in 1816. Now specific gravity, this is very pertinent to the honey wine that I said I was making beforehand. So a classical way to judge alcohol content is by taking specific gravity which means that before you start fermenting and add the yeast to your solution of carbohydrates or sugars or anything that you're going to make the alcohol from you use something called a hygrometer and you put it in whatever the batch is and you take the specific gravity measurement and then you take it again after you are done fermenting everything and the difference in specific gravity can actually be calculated for alcohol percentage okay so they got a little bit more scientific after that and they actually could have gone and made more tax brackets after that one if they wanted to it's probably too complicated though (laughs) i i feel like we're the ones being assholes right now because we're saying that we we liked (laughs) we like to say that people back then were dumb or they had bad scientific method, but really it was a work in progress. And a lot of people were smart back then. It's just, there's a lot of factors that either they couldn't control or, you know, we're being very responsible for Greg not being here. We are. About this. <laughs> there was a lot of factors that either couldn't control or did not know how to control in the meantime, but this is actually a pretty decent way to judge. There's a little bit of a skew factor involved, but eventually it was replaced again by percentage ABV, which okay. we already talked about. Okay. So the thing is, is that America decided they wanted to be different than England once again. Well, I mean, that's how we got this great nation in the first place. As if the imperial system is not the perfect system for, you know, <laughs> King Henry's foot being, you know, 12 inches yeah. or anything like that. <laughs> I still think we should weigh things in stone, by the way. I like that. 12 stone. Pound. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. How many how many stone do you think you weigh? Because I don't I, I I can't calculate off the top of my head how many stone I weigh at this point. No, I weigh like almost exactly ten stone. Nice. Okay. Okay, we got we got that one. Okay. So anyway, going back to it. So the U.S. decided that you know, fuck England, 
and we're going to go ahead and make our own proofing. And even today, generally the U.S. accepted standard for proofing is just double the ABV. Right. So, Like I, like I said before. Yes. As if you were saying. Uh, 100 50, proof is 50% ABV. Yes. And such and such and such. I can do a whole bunch of different calculations. We don't need other too. examples. Yeah, that's easy enough. So going off of that, 100 proof does work. And that's why I like to believe that the proofing for most alcohols, I guess, depends on where it's made. Because they saw, I think the alcohol that the guy used for 100 proof was a Mexican liquor, okay. which I would say is tequila. I think that's a good shot in the dark there. And I'd assume that they would use the U.S. standard. But that actually is a little bit skewed because that means it would only be 50% ABV. Which means it wouldn't light. Yes. So I want to look a little bit more into that. But for the most part, 100 proof that they've done by British standards, They he tested a bunch of gins too. If you light that, it lights up. Okay. It, it They used it. Generally, once again, people weren't done back then. They kept using a standard where if it lit up, it was 100 proof. So it's not even a today's standards type of thing. That's what they did. And science usually doesn't have much room for just like, you know, wiggle room or anything yeah, like finagling, that. Yeah, finagling, yeah. You're going to have a certain number that's going to light up the gunpowder or you're going to have a certain number that does not. Yeah. And I, that's what they went by. Yeah. So the 100 proof test still holds true today, I would say. It's just a little bit more skewed as what you consider to be 100 proof. Well, so, and by that logic, you would need something that's 115% proof or higher. Yes. To light by gunpowder. I'm going to trust your numbers on that one right now. Well, 57.15 times two is 114.30. So I'm just rounding up to 150. Some motherfucker is going to pull out a calculator for that's this. Fine. So. That's fine. Okay, we'll, we'll go ahead and do that. You call bullshit on me, listeners. Let's see what happens. Yeah. This is the last episode of the season. We don't care. You can't call us out anymore <laughs> after this. Maybe season two we'll get to it. I'm but at this well. point, it'll just be old milk. So, Josh, what's your last topic for the night? So the last two topics we're going to get into, my last topic and your last topic, are probably the most interesting and surprising out of all of them. And the last thing I'm going to talk about is diet drinks versus just regular soft drinks. So Diet Coke with Jack Daniels versus regular Coke with Jack Daniels, just so it paints a very vivid picture for everyone. I'll have a Diet Coke with my Big Mac and large fries. I've totally been that I'm piece of I'm cutting back on the calories. I've been that piece of shit before. I'd be like, mm, let me get a Big Mac and like, no, I'm just going to get a Diet Coke you and know, save at least some you admit bit. it because it does at least cut down on some of the calories that you are planning to just, just not even think about beforehand. Yeah, but let's look at it this way. If I'm going to McDonald's and ordering a Big Mac, I shouldn't order a Diet Coke. I'm, I'm just going full bore right now. Just there. get the sugar stew Coca-Cola. Might as well enjoy it. All right, just YOLO. So, by the way, real quick, I know we've been wanting to talk about this a little bit. What? This is completely, listeners, this is important. Write us in if you know why this is the answer. Like, if you know the answer to this, we want to know it because we can't find it. Josh, McDonald's Coca-Cola straight from the fountain. Best Coca-Cola, like top tier. Oh, it's number one. Like, so from the bottom, obviously plastic containers. Yes. And then we'll give mm, cans. Okay. Then glass bottle. Then glass bottle, then McDonald's. Then fountain, then oh. McDonald's fountain yeah. after that. Okay, I'll go with that. So tell us why McDonald's fountain Coca-Cola is the best. Yeah, I have heard some interesting theories on this, but uh, I've actually researched it. A girl I work with, you know, gave me some insight into it, but I'll save that for another time. Now, you know, regular mixers versus diet mixers, okay? I've heard so many times before that if you're going to drink, make sure you use a diet mixer because it has less sugar than a regular mixer and it allows for your body to break down the alcohol a lot more efficiently 
than if you had more sugar involved in it with a regular drink. So is this party night or is this I have work tomorrow night? Just in general, just, you know, it allows your body to just break down the alcohol better and you won't have as bad of a hangover. Just to think about one thing at a time. Yeah, exactly. You know, baby steps, compartmentalize. Now, what what I found out in my research and what also is reflected in the video supplement is that this is complete bullshit. In fact, the complete opposite is true. So there's a study done with 20 men and women where they were breathalyzed after drinking vodka with lemonade and vodka with diet lemonade. For the record, where did they get diet lemonade? Because I have always looked for that type of stuff, and I have never found diet lemonade. Maybe they use Splenda? I know it's totally easy to make, but I have not found a single brand that does diet lemonade. Aside from, like, vitamin water, but that's just, like, that's pretending to be healthy. Don't don't give me that shit. (laughs) They got sued for that shit. Yeah. (laughs) 50 Cent gets sued for everything. Well, uh, but but in this study, what they found was that... So let me just set it up real quick. They took the same amount of alcohol in every drink across the board, whether it was diet or regular. So, you know, let's say they went with, you know, one and a half ounces. Every drink had the same amount of alcohol. But what they found was that people who had the diet lemonade blew a higher BAC than people who had the regular lemonade mixed with the vodka. Oh, okay. So, And the same holds true because our buddy Greg over in France and Nick... They did diet versus regular, and Nick Blue significantly higher. In fact, the highest out of anyone the night we did the drinking exercise. Pretty close to me, if anything. If, he well, Nick Blue. Nick was the closest to breaching the legal limit. He was at point oh seven seven. Oh yeah, because we we're talking about depending on right. It was depending a, on my next. Uh, I blew two different things, but we'll get into that. Well, yeah, yeah, but, we'll we'll get to that later. But so I guess the layman's interpretation of that would just be. I don't know, like, so what I would say from that is that there's the whole idea of, like, carving up before you drink. You got to make sure you have something in, in your, your system, system or something like that. Or right. if somebody's too drunk, it's like, get them some chicken nuggets, you know? You just want to put something in their stomach where it's just like, don't worry about what's currently destroying your liver. Just go ahead and worry about this. Right. And the, the interesting thing, though, was that in the research that I did, they found that diet drinks blew anywhere from, like, 18 to 35 percent higher than regular soft drinks okay so i mean that's a that's a huge jump so i guess that makes sense because artificial sweeteners generally just get passed straight through your system they're not registered as regular sugars so therefore if they're just going straight through and they just get like the disney fast pass once again disney reference nice at that point nice you know straight to the toilet the rest of the sugar has to wait in line and then has to like get stuck in there with the rest of the alcohol. So it kind of bottlenecks stuff to the point where it's getting processed. So with that idea, the only thing that's really getting past your system and is getting, you know, into you at that time is the liver's just taking on all the alcohol with the artificial sweetener. So therefore you could potentially get drunk faster and heavier than you would with something like general carbohydrates or sugars. And I guess I haven't really elaborated on this. All sugars are carbohydrates. So when I say yeah, that, it's yeah, kind yeah. of interchangeable. So that's talking about, you know, fried foods, breads, pastas, or just, you know, straight cane sugar, you know? So something like that. Glucose. Glucose. Yeah. I know that word. Or galactose. <laughs> or sucralose. No, yeah. not sucralose. That's uh, an artificial one. I was going to say, that's not real. I knew oh, that. I just call myself out. <laughs> um, but the, the interesting thing that I found is that not only did people who drank the diet drinks, 
whether it's Diet Lemonade or Diet whatever bullshit they're drinking. I like how they didn't just pick Diet Coke and regular Coke. Right. I felt like, you know, and they picked something particularly, you know, sugary with lemonade. Yeah. I, that, that, I thought that was a smart move. That's why I don't part. trust those little fuckers on Lemonade Day. Like, that happened, like, two weeks ago, where I was just driving everywhere, and everybody was, like, waving down to me at that point, and just like, get my lemonade. I feel so bad every time. Like, I feel worse than passing up homeless people asking for money, because, like, they're trying to learn about the world. And actually, I'm teaching about the world by saying, no, not everybody wants what you're selling. But... I'm afraid that they're just like, it's just like all sugar and they just get it to that saturation point yeah. just to the point where you can't see any solid granules still in the water right. afterwards. You should be go up to them and be like, so pulp or no pulp? Yeah. That's how you, that's how you diffuse that situation. Are these organic lemons? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the, what I was saying was the, the really like interesting thing about this is that people who were given diet drinks as opposed to regular drinks, they said they felt fine, but they would have blown over the legal limit most of the time in these studies that I read. Meanwhile, reg- people who drank the regular drinks wouldn't have. So they they felt fine, but they were actually more inebriated than they, they specifically thought. So I guess it's like almost like the cocaine effect or something where like... Yeah. With the people that did the sodas, it's kind of like, I guess, the sugar rush and sugar crash effect or something like that. Man, you were just like blasting that. That's oh, That's done. It's, it's got to go away somewhere. I'm not going downstairs to get you another beer, man. That's fine. You're done. That's fine. I can I can uh, stick it out. Yeah, but it, it, it's interesting because I get I don't I mean it's the same amount of alcohol as the other people, but I think just the diet drink allowed allowed for a higher reading on the breathalyzer, and, and I think that I, I guess it just has more to do with the body breaking down the individual components, like you said, with the artificial sweeteners. Yeah, it's just. It's more of a thing where it's like, wait your turn type of deal as opposed to, well, I got nothing else to do. So the liver just going to go like alcohol straight to the brain. Well, the the last thing that I'm going to mention, it's a little sidebar, but I thought it was really interesting to note was that there was a study done at the Northern Kentucky University with that there was definitely a correlation between people who use diet mixers and blacking out. Okay. That makes a lot more. A lot of sense to me just from what we said. From, I was going to say, based off of what I said, you know, everything that I talked about, it makes total sense. But if you didn't hear any of this, it would not, you would be, you know, you would not believe it whatsoever because you would think that with the with less sugar in it, that it'd be able to process it. But yeah, more people who drink diet drinks have a tendency to black out. But I guess it's because their body just doesn't register and they just keep plowing through it. Or yeah. maybe, maybe most diet drinkers are alcoholics. I don't know. So seeing all the cougars that are drinking the skinny girl margaritas and stuff are more likely to black out afterwards, make a whole bunch of poor decisions on Amazon instant buy, you know, smoking their Virginia Slims. You know, I know somebody <laughs> still smokes Virginia Slims and I was like, I thought that was genuinely, you know, kind of ousted at this point. But no, you can still get to Virginia Slims and stuff. I didn't know that was a thing. Just like Lucky Strikes. No uh, filter, Lucky man. Strikes will be here forever. Yeah. But I guess it's one of those things where, and that sounded sexist, just me talking about the skinny girls, but like, you know, <laughs> that, that's an actual brand, but honestly, it's unsafe because it's going to like get you blacked out faster, if anything. That's exactly it. It's, it's, it preys on the image that it's better for you, but it's actually not. Yeah. So I, maybe you should take the sugar with it. If you're going to be doing that, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. 
that that's what I basically learned from this is that, you know, you might as well just give it to your body all at once as opposed to just doing the diet drinks. Don't tell me you're not going to go get Taco Bell at 3 a.m. anyway. Don't worry about the diet drinks. Exactly. If <laughs> if you want to get Taco Bell at 3 a.m., it doesn't matter what you drink. You're going to get Taco Bell. I mean, this is from a guy that drinks tequila, soda, and lime on the reg. Yeah. But at the same time, I know anything that I eat while I am drinking is probably not going to be the most beneficial for my physical fitness. Well, I, I think this actually makes for a really good jumping off point and a transition into probably the most debated thing we've ever talked about on this podcast. Yeah, so I guess we're going to get to this. The thing about this is it really gets to an ethical and moral dilemma for for us individually because we never want to do anything that would compromise the safety of anyone, you know, listeners or just anyone in general. But this is definitely something that I think we should mention because it's rooted in facts and it's rooted in bringing you guys the correct information off of misconceptions. Or what we found in general. Right. Because this uh, this subject, and I know it sounds like a big wind-up, but honestly, it's not going to sound as big after we say it. But honestly, this is one of those things where I think this is an appropriate finisher to the season because it's one of the things where we had to face two different issues. One, an ethical standpoint of what we found personally and anecdotally to match what we had researched right yeah yeah and also what we had gone through in terms of our deeper research to well i guess i want to say the generally understood consensus about things yeah that's a good way to put it yeah what we researched and what we found anecdotally disagrees what with like with what we generally have read or believed yeah on the surface right exactly yeah so what we're going to talk about is breathalyzer tests. So we bought a breathalyzer and we figured one of the more interesting subjects to take care of would be how can you trick it? Especially with certain situations where obviously if you are pulled over for drunk driving, this is a very bad start off to things, but this is what people do. This is what people have tried. Yeah. We, we basically approached it from, you know, because most breathalyzer tricks aren't going to come from anybody who's sitting at home and not worried about, you know, drinking and driving or anything like that. It's people who've been put in that situation have had a last ditch, you know, effort to somehow blow lower than the legal limit. But I mean, I'll get into that in a moment. But yeah, it, it, it's something that we thought was interesting and it's something that we've heard a lot individually. And we decided to, you know, put it to the test and see what happened. Yeah. So the two things that we tried were the penny versus charcoal. Yeah, putting the penny under the tongue and putting charcoal under the tongue as well. Or just in the mouth in general. Yeah. So I guess before that, we'll get to the fun stuff. Because we have some fun bits in this, aside from the controversial. (laughs) And we'll get to previous attempts through history to try to trick a breathalyzer. So... Before even talking about how a breathalyzer works, we'll get to the people that, in a pinch, had to try to trick one when they were pulled over drunk. So in 1985, a 28-year-old man was pulled over on suspicion of driving drunk. And when the policeman pulled, like, showed up to his car and went to go ask him what was going on, he saw the guy taking bits of his, like, the clothes around his nether regions and shoving them in his mouth. 
the motherfucker was eating his underwear to try to trick the breathalyzer. Did he like Zoolander it where he was able to like finagle it and pull it out through his like his crotch hole? From what I understand, he was cutting pieces of his underwear out and then putting it in his mouth. Oh, so not only was he drunk, he was oper- you know, operating a knife. Yeah, he at least had a <laughs> knife. Unless he's got really sharp nails, he had a knife and he was eating his f***ing underwear. Nice. Well, given the first instance, somebody has to beat him. In 2005, a 59-year-old man was pulled over and actually brought to the drunk tank. And when they finally went to breathalyze him, guess what he tried to put in his mouth in order to trick the breathalyzer? Well, if he had to one-up the underwear guy, I can only imagine. Well, it was feces. Yeah, Yeah, he was straight up mouth. This guy decided to, I don't know if he like straight up like pulled down trow and then in his hand and then put it in his mouth or he just like <laughs> literally his underwear became the wastebasket and he just pulled the nuggets out and just put it straight in his mouth afterwards. This is graphic. Damn, we should have put a warning on this. But no, either way, he managed to shovel his own in his mouth and then try to beat a breathalyzer on it. I guess uh, he could have been arrested for having a potty mouth. No, that one is terrible. I feel like you just get a penalty shot just for how bad and low-hanging fruit and low effort that pun was, Josh. You stole my spirits joke, so might as well. Well, I I gotta... That should be an ongoing thing where I just try to safeguard myself against your puns. (laughs) But then that would be like 20 minutes of caveats afterwards. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Only in 2000 did anyone try to do the actual penny trick where they went to go pull over somebody and when they got to the car they saw somebody sucking on a handful of lincoln's not five dollar bills dude was much poorer it was just the the pennies in his mouth which as you know as we mentioned before there is a friend of mine who likes to suck on change because or he did i should say because he enjoyed it for whatever reason he had. And Josh's said friend was not old enough in 2000 to be driving in the first place. No. That would have been a whole different issue. Yes, yes. It wasn't him. I know that. So the science, uh, Josh, you want to back me up here? I'm doing the whole like... Air quote quotes fingers, coming yeah. through the microphone? Yeah, exactly. The science behind the penny behind the tongue is that the zinc and copper interfere with the saliva composition and can trick the breathalyzer. And the science... Behind activated charcoal is that highly porous carbon, which is activated charcoal, increases the surface area for the adsorption of an adsorption with an AD, not AB, like absorption, of certain compounds to the surface of the actual charcoal granules that would stop the alcohol from going through the breathalyzer and would get caught up in your mouth first. Okay. So, this is where things get a little bit weird. So, I have a subscription to the American Chemical Society's publications. And I should have done that right after I graduated, but I just recently signed up for it. And by luck, I was able to actually research some of the things using this. Okay. And also SciFinder. It was very helpful for this. I went way down the rabbit hole for this research. And the result of it was pretty surprising. And once again, I want to say this is a caveat because... This is something that is generally not agreed upon in the many things you will read. But from here, activated carbon is used in a lot of separation science, as in it's used to purify anything from actual liquors like liquid vodka. It's used to purify that to remove any impurities to gaseous solutions. So any like gases 
they will use activated carbon to remove some of the impurities. It's, this is, it's a filtration system. Yeah, exactly. They use it for bakeries for ethanol removal. Right. And this is used for anything from like gaseous oils to hydrocarbons. And hydrocarbons is a little bit of science is just carbons and hydrogens connected to each other. So I saw that there was a lot of science involved in removing those in the gaseous phase, but I was not sure about what it did for alcohols, which is just a hydrocarbon with an OH group, oxygen and hydrogen connected at the end of those chains. So it's a little bit hard of, of a visualization, but it's just a hydrocarbon and then you add oxygen and hydrogen to the end of it and then you okay. have an alcohol. This includes anything from like isopropyl alcohol, like rubbing alcohol essentially, to methanol, which you have probably heard of before. It's a big impurity that can make people blind if right, people right. distill things wrong. Right. And luckily, ACS, I'm not going to cite the actual articles. I'll put it in the show notes, but there's a paywall. I'm going to warn you ahead of time. There's a paywall for that. And for most of the research that I did for this. So I really wish I could provide a little bit more about it, but you're going to probably have to take me from my word on this unless you feel like reading and paying for this article. Yeah. No studies have been done directly on the breath effects of a breathalyzer. And last bit of science that I'm going to go into real quick. A breathalyzer works by means of fuel cell testers and a chemical reaction with alcohol it oxidizes it and that creates an electric current. And the higher the current in the breathalyzer, the higher the alcohol content that'll register in somebody's breath. Okay. So that's, that's where the reading comes from. Yes. Taking that all into account, the amount of like air that you blow through the breathalyzer will take that alcohol and create an electric current. So if you have activated carbon in your mouth, ideally that this will absorb the alcohol and stop as much of an electric current going through the breathalyzer and register lower. So to kind of bring this all up, when you and Alex drank, Alex put the penny under his tongue and it didn't really have an effect. Not much of a difference. So that's the actual difference between the two of us testing is that we took the initial testing before we drank, then after, and then afterward after that, we yeah. actually did the test involved. Right, a third so time. So we had three different testings for that. Right. Alex, Alex's didn't change with the, with the penny under his tongue. No. It was, ba- it was essentially the same. Mine was significant. Yours was significant, like 0.02 plus. Yes. And that can make a difference between, all right, you're good to go. Just drive home safely or we're going to have to bring you to jail. Yeah, it it really can be. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at this, there have been analytical tests for the general analytical industry with either foods or just filtration or anything like that. Carbon is used to remove alcohols from gaseous samples. So using that science right there, there is no reason to believe that it wouldn't be able to at least remove some of the alcohol content from your breath as it passes through your mouth into the breathalyzer and registers the reading. So, and I guess in Uncle Rusty terms here, what you're saying is that if you were to have granulated charcoal in your mouth at the time of doing a breathalyzer, it would register lower than what you normally would blow. Yes. Now, I'm going to make you sleep at night a little bit or or something. It'll make you feel better. Basically, Please do. Give me my nightcap. Everything that, that you're saying is, is you know, I, I, I know is backed up by science. But if there's a reason for a police officer to believe that you were drinking and driving, there are two options that they have. They can immediately bring you in and you get a blood test, which there is no amount of charcoal in the world that's going to, you know, hide the fact that you're drinking and driving 
Or the other thing is, in some states, they can arrest you for a DIW, which basically, if, I believe that's the correct term. I, I'm not 100%, but I believe that's it. And what that essentially entails is that you blew under the legal limit of the amount of alcohol in your system, but they still believed you were impaired enough to where you shouldn't be driving. Reasonable cause jumps all, I guess. Exactly. That, and, that, that's exactly it, yes. And, you know, you can say it's shitty in most circumstances, but honestly, that means that it doesn't matter if what we found is different from the generally accepted, you know, understanding of right, 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 yeah. what these breathalyzer tricks will do. Nobody is going to see a completely blacked out mouth and say, oh, okay, they're good to go. Yeah. And, and they that, still have reasonable suspicion to bring you in because right. the fact that you were even trying to trick the breathalyzer. Right. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. And as if anybody watches the video, it is not a pleasant experience. <laughs> I was miserable the entire time. I got charcoal all over myself and I was like coughing it up and like sneezing it up afterwards. If, like I had black snot. It well, was yeah. not very clandestine. What I was going to say is that, you know, if, if somebody pulls you over and they notice you have a mouthful of charcoal, they're going to know that something's up and they're going to, you know, they're going to know you're trying to probably pull one over on the system. Yeah. So, I mean, just the way you combat that is just don't drink and drive. Just the way how we tell you to use your best judgment, cops are advised to use their best judgment. It's kind yeah. of their job. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that about, you know, kind of wraps everything up. Is there anything else you want to add? Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that it covers everything. So just just to kind of wrap everything up and put a nice bow on it. We had a really hard time, you know, discussing everything about the breathalyzer tests and whether or not to include it and, and how much detail to get into it. But I thought it was very relevant and so did Ryan. And, you know, I hope you guys just don't see it as we're just giving you ways to trick a breathalyzer or anything like that. No, because you can still get pulled over pretty easily. Right. And brought to jail pretty easily and convicted pretty easily. Well, the the thing that besides that, that I found most interesting was in a, you know, in episode two, we went into such detail about cooking out alcohol and how much time it would require to cook it out and everything like that and how much it would still be diffused, you know, in it, as I, you know, very graciously said. Defaced, man. Uh, def- Get your defaced. own words right. I can't remember. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting, though, with Joey and V, how not only did V not blow any higher, Joey blew significantly lower. Yeah, so this is kind of weird. Uh, obviously, that shows that, like we were saying, you need to eat an obscene amount of something in order to actually get drunk off of a food because it's once again the buffer zone where we were talking about carbohydrates being in your system. You're eating massive amounts of carbohydrates to outweigh that alcohol that you're actually consuming too. Yeah. That's competing for your liver's attention. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yes. So makes sense, but not the sexy result that we wanted. Right. Yeah. It was different than what we expected, but you know, it is, it is what it is. We got what we got. And so I guess, once again, there is a good example. This episode has been great because it's a lot of things where I've overlooked a lot of the topics that we have covered, especially yours. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I got proved wrong immediately. I thought I was like steadfast sure about the whole light versus dark deal because I thought, you know, fermentation, same thing, not going to be a big deal. But then the whole idea that impurities can actually affect things, and especially with, you know, whatever you're aging it in can actually affect what 
how you're gonna feel in the morning. Yeah, it's it's the amount of conagens, and not only that, it, it even if you and I both like, if I drank a fifth of bourbon and you drank a fifth of vodka, we might feel worse the next day, but I would probably feel significantly worse because of the amount of toxic molecules that are in it. Yes, and. Usually I hate the term like toxins or anything like that because most of the time people can't define that. But generally, if you add more of anything than the other sample, like water versus Kool-Aid or anything like that, there's more chance that you'll be, you know, a little bit more susceptible to something else in the Kool-Aid as opposed to the water. Right, exactly. And it goes the same for alcohol. The more impurities, the more chance that you are going to be affected by at least one of those impurities in there. And... Chemistry is amazing. Like, there's a million different things that we have not accounted for in everyday things that we eat or drink. And maybe we'll find out what gives us a worse hangover exactly as opposed to just a pleasant day the next time, you know, the next day. You never know what the future holds. You never know what they'll find out. Yes. So I think we're going to wrap this up like we have been doing lately. And uh, I'm going to read two iTunes reviews. One of them is from Herbosaurus. He gave us a five-star review. Thank you, Herbosaurus. He or she says, literally the best new podcast I've listened to. So thank you for those kind words. I'm glad it wasn't figuratively. <laughs> um, and the, the next one is from Cajun Pride, who also gave us a five-star review. They said, this is a great podcast to listen to on my way to work. And I hope this isn't the, uh, like Firefly. Which I got what they were saying, but at first I was like, the f***? Well, I thought they knew what we were talking about with Firefly Vodka or something like that. Well, I, t- I took it as they hope it's not one season and done like Firefly was, the TV yeah. show. So I'm going to say this in the most respectful way possible. Cajun Pride, f*** you. <laughs> this is not Firefly. And in the most respectful way, thank you. This is not going to be Firefly. We promise there will be more content. Well, I think I think that's a good jumping off point because... This may be the end of season one with this, but this doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have to wait a year before the next season comes out. Yeah, our seasons are loosely defined. More or less what this is, is it gives us time to prepare for season two, get everything in order, know what we're going to talk about, and do some research because... As you guys can tell, I mean, we, we jump into this and this, this shit ain't easy. Yeah. And we also don't have any ads or anything else that, you know, pays the bills or anything like that. We have other lives aside from this. But ultimately, we are giving this time to, A, build season two and make sure we know what we're doing before we go into it. Right. B, we might have some other things in store for the future that we don't want to talk about yet, but are pretty exciting. Well, there is one thing I'm going to mention. We are going to have a couple supplemental episodes that we are going to release in the downtime in between seasons. Now, I, and I'm just, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. You probably won't have to wait past August for season two to premiere. We'll be back before then. Yeah. So just, you know, eight to 12 weeks, not a whole lot of time. We'll be back before, you know, you guys even know it. But expect some stuff to like expect some stuff to hold you over in the future. Yeah, it's not like we're just gonna be you know MIA you know or you know you want to hear from us. We're definitely gonna have some stuff coming out, so keep keep your eyes open, and uh, I think you guys are gonna like what we have coming towards you. Yeah, I can tell you that not to spoil too much, but we're gonna have a topic that we're gonna cover that we would love to do an episode on, but honestly, it's kind of a gray area because we can't find enough rumors on it to really cover an entire episode but maybe with listener help we can do that so maybe this will inspire you to actually write into us and give us something to cover and 
I think we're also going to do a recap and maybe some gaffes or something like that, you know, some warm-ups, yeah. you know, who knows? We, we got some stuff coming down the pipeline that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. And it's not going to be paid content either. We're just going to give this no, to you. Just, <laughs> we don't charge money for anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're gonna be eating our words eventually. <laughs> the last thing I do want to mention is that if you guys please could please go subscribe to our YouTube channel, we desperately want to have our own domain for our YouTube channel own URL, and we can't do that until we get a hundred subscribers. So if you please, 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 please could do that, that would be fantastic. Seriously, like we just need a hundred. That's it. If you go to the YouTube channel and you see 101, f***ing hit the back button. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> we have our name already. So, um, and, and, you know, just before getting too far with everything, uh, season one's been great. Just, just a little aside, we've had so much fun doing this and we're going to go in a lot more detail about how we felt about season one. But just lastly, we just want to say thank you for all the support and love that you guys have shown. Yes. Thank you for everybody that's been listening to us. We have at this point, this is not bragging at any point but from the analytics that we've seen we have a lot more people listening to us than we actually know like (laughs) yeah i don't know significantly amount more yeah i don't know anybody in argentina and i literally know one person in japan so and brazilians y'all are doing pretty good at listening to us we got you know keep calling out almost in the double digits listening to us (laughs) but canadians and uk people awesome we love y'all you're listening to us yes thank all of you and it's it's just we just wanted to say thank you. Give give credit where credit is due, like we uh, tend to say around here. Um, Keep it up. Just tell us how you feel. Yeah, exactly. Write in, and I guess we'll do this now. If you want to write in, you can write in to us at rumorflies at gmail.com. You can contact us on Twitter. We are at rumorflies. Instagram, we are at rumorflies. Uh, Facebook, we are facebook.com slash rumorflies. Am I forgetting something? Google Plus. <sighs> F*** off. And uh, the last one is, oh, rumorflies at, uh, oh, we are rumorfliespodcast.com. Yes. The website. So if you forget all of that, go to rumorfliespodcast.com and you will be able to find all the ways to contact us there. Also, obligatorydarkness.org. Find a whole bunch of other podcasts that are similar or just as interesting as us. Right. And not only that, if you want to help us the most, I know we say this every time iTunes reviews that we and cannot. You're gonna, yeah, you're gonna hear this in the end of every podcast you listen to. iTunes reviews is what just drives us. That is like our lifeblood. We need that. Yeah, it's it's the way for us to get noticed and for allow the other people to enjoy the fun that is this podcast. So, please, if you would mind, just going to smash a five star review, or if you want to leave a one star review, that's fine. Just leave a review. We we we'd love to hear back. We want to know why we suck. Yeah. Uh, if you are right in, you know, any way you want to, you know, we want to hear from you guys. That's what's most important. And I guarantee if you write in, you will be featured on the show. So if that's a little of incentive for you guys to maybe talk to us, whatever. But if you write into us, we'll be glad to talk about things on air that you've read, written to us about. We will dole out the shame on ourselves if we need to. We have no problem calling bullshit on one another. You know that. Yeah. But I guess on the last feels, you know, since we've been thanking everybody else, I really do want to thank you, Josh, for making this season so great. I'm glad that we have both been able to collaborate on this. It has been awesome. I absolutely love this, and it's something I want to keep on going with. And oh, yeah. we want to thank Greg, too, but that little fucker's in France. <laughs> He's not here right now, so uh, fuck you, Greg. Yeah. But we'll we'll have more stuff coming to you guys soon. Don't worry. 
just keep your eyes open and, uh, you know, feel free to talk to us, whatever. So uh, just thanks again for everything. And, uh, you know, we appreciate it. So as always, I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. And we'll see you guys soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. This season's closing song is I'm Like a Chocoholic But for Booze by the New Orleans band Joystick. to be the end.